Welcome back to another episode of Two Guys, One Topic interview series. This week, our subject has been the Guinness World Records, and we needed to find ourselves a topic expert. Now, have we found the topic expert for you? We have only got, we've gone right out there today. We've managed to get the official editor-in-chief of Guinness World Records with us, haven't we? This is a phenomenally interesting interview. Actual top of the tree at Guinness World Records. Ladies and gentlemen, we hope you enjoy our interview with Craig Glendale. Craig, thank you very much for joining us on the Two Guys, One Topic podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, looking forward to this chat. As people will know this week, our topic has been the Guinness World Records, and we have found our topic expert, none other than Craig, who has been the editor-in-chief for 16 years at Guinness World Records. Um, but it's always good for us to, to start at the beginning and know a little bit more about our topic expert, Craig. So could we just hear how you actually got into the job in the first place, please? Yes. Yeah, so I, so my background is publishing. I've always been uh, in publishing like professionally. Uh, I studied publishing as a degree uh, in Edinburgh at Napier and uh, worked a lot in magazine development, so develop, developing ideas for things and all sorts of random things. So home DIY, cookery, uh, I did a gambling magazine, uh, I did Lover's Guide, the magazine, um, and a lot of time spent developing a paranormal and, and strange world type magazine called The X Factor, which okay. predates Simon Cowell's X Factor, nothing to do with it. Um, but one of the titles I developed was a kids' magazine called Animals, 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 about animals. Yes. And uh, the picture was actually there told me she was leaving because she had a job offer from Guinness World Records. And I couldn't believe it because to me, Guinness World Records is like a mythical place. It's like, it's not a real, truly it's not, a, it's so mundane as to have an office. Yes. Uh, yeah. But it, but it did. It's got a, you know, had quite a nice office in Euston Road in London. So um, I said, if a job ever comes up, you must let me know. Call me immediately if you hear of any jobs. I don't care what the job is. And a few months later, I got a call from Maureen, her name, the picture was actually saying the the editor of the website at Guinness World Records had just come second in a stand-up comedy competition okay. on, on Channel 4 and was leaving to pursue a career as a stand-up. Um, she didn't quite go anywhere. Sorry, Jen, if you're listening, it didn't go anywhere. But she's now an actress, <laughs> so it's fine. Um, but anyway, so I was so excited. I rushed down the next day to the office with my portfolio and just said the uh, one of the vice presidents says, look, just, I know you're going to advertise this job. Just don't bother. Just give me the job. I am the right person for it. And they thankfully agreed uh, on the spot. So I got the job. Amazing. Um, so I started as the website editor. And then over a couple of years, it developed and the two roles were merged. The book editor's job was merged with the, uh, the web editor's job, which was great for me because it's very hard to work in a company like Guinness World Records making the world's biggest selling uh, annual book as it was at the time mm -hmm. uh, and not actually get your hands on it as an editor so now I, I've segued into doing that and I've been there as I say now for more than 16 years so I've been in the company 19 years but 16 as the editor Great of the stuff. book. So yeah you definitely are the the right person for us to be talking yeah, to. Yeah definitely the expert. And that that eclectic <laughs> mix beforehand sounds like a great combination to to get you to where you are now. 
Yes, because I think the, the, the joy of Guinness World Records is the fact that it's such a vast spectrum. It's a very vast yes. church. And and the best thing really when you try to look over all of that is to know very little about lots of things. And that suits my my mentality of I've got a very wide but very, very shallow knowledge pool. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so I know very little about lots of things. But that's perfect. It's about who you know and uh, and also trying to think. So I I, I think I, I think like a 12-year-old boy does because you never quite, <laughs> well, you'll know as, as grown men, you never really get over the fact that you, you know, you're not a teenager anymore. But there's, there's kids have a way of thinking about the world, especially at the younger end, 8, 9, 10, when they, when they discover that they're not the centre of the universe anymore, that there's this vast universe out there to be tapped into and everything's amazing for them. And I think if long as you don't lose that mentality that everything's amazing, then you'll always enjoy what life has to offer. And that's what we're here for. It gives us a breakfast to say, look at all this amazing stuff. Some of it's amazing and phenomenally and difficult. And, and some of it's a bit daft, but still difficult. And yes, that's because that's what life is. It's a mix of all these amazing, lovely, wide-ranging things. Perfect. It's that sense of wonderment, isn't it, that kids have. You know, they just in awe of everything for a while. Yeah, yeah. Tapping into that. Things that you didn't even know you didn't know or were even knowable. I think yes. yeah. that, that great discovery of things when you just think, what? Like, how is that a thing? I remember even as a kid, like reading in the early books, 1986 was my first edition. And the, there was a record for like apple peeling. So, like, you have to peel an apple so that the, the, the apple skin itself doesn't break. Okay. So you get this <laughs> huge, long bit of um, apple skin, um, a- apple peel. And the, the number is ridiculous. It's like it's metres and metres long. Um, and you think, how long could an apple... I mean, if you were to guess now, how long would that unbroken apple peel be? <laughs> i got no I mean, idea. Exactly. If you just think, I've never even thought about that kind of no. thing before. Um, but the record is the record is like fifty-one. No, it's fifty-two meters. Wow! So one hundred and seven. <laughs> peel an apple, so there's one hundred and seventy-two foot of unbroken <laughs> apple peel. It's just it's mind blowing, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, Unless you want to now go and get an apple and start peeling it to see if you can. <laughs> I think we should give that a go, Liam. Yeah, well, well, we said, didn't we? There's some other ones we'd like to try as well. It's it, it's very similar what you said about like children being fascinated. As we were researching this, we we come across records, didn't we? And, and we they just make you want to go and try them. Yes, like they sound, they go, sound it sounds achievable, sound, don't they? Yeah, it seems so doable half the time, but obviously it's not. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would so, say there's two types of records. There's records that are really hard to achieve and very hard to attempt. Like climbing Everest is a good example. It's really hard to climb Everest. It's cost a fortune. You're looking at £60,000 or whatever it is. Yes. It takes months of training. You have a big team behind you. That's really difficult to do. It's difficult to then, once you've got that, past that, it's very hard to do it. Say it's speed. Like say it's the fastest time to climb Everest. But they're, they're, So that's hard to do and hard to achieve. But there are records that are easy to attempt, but hard to beat. So yes. things like like doing a Mr. Potato Head in the fastest time. Well, how fast can you build a Mr. Potato Head? It sounds banal and stupid, but it's very <laughs> easy to attempt. And 
what's bizarre is the record is something like six seconds. Okay. So it's really hard to beat. So you can still have a go at it and you can still be amazed at just how quickly someone's done a simple and stupid thing. You know, yeah. whether it's sorting socks into pairs or doing a potato head, it doesn't really matter what it is. Because there's no there's no there's no god or arbiter of these things that says what's important in life. You know, the Olympic Committee says these are the Olympic sports, which somehow means all the other sports aren't as popular or as important or something. Mm-hmm. But that's it's a bit of a nonsense because like the triple jump, what is that hop, skip and a jump? Why is that any more impressive than someone doing space hoppering, but a marathon on a space hopper? Yes. Doing twenty six miles on a space hopper. Um, it's just who it's also arbitrary so we say it's a level playing field it's we're all equal uh, under the eyes of the Guinness of Records gods and we should just all enjoy doing it and do whatever you do brilliant and just do it well so uh, the second question or it was one of the first ones we came across really I guess Craig is um how do records get into the book then so you know you have all these records every year How, how do you decide which ones get in the book, and I guess also, therefore, which ones don't? Uh, yeah, it's true. So each, each year we get an oversupply of content that we just can't deal with uh, all of it. So there's room in the book for about between three and 4,000 records, say. But we're getting five or 6,000 new and updated records coming through because records... Mm-hmm. Um, that exist are breaking all the time and there are new categories that are forming all the time. So we tend to, we try and favour the new material so if it's something new and like new, new, meaning it's never been done before and it's interesting. So you you get waves of things like, you know, we had a whole wave of fidget spinner records and before that we had loom band records Yeah. and before that twerking, before that selfies, you know, and so we, because we're just a mirror on society doing what they're doing, you know, we're not setting the agenda as such. Um, then we we just reflect what's happening in the world, and we try and focus on that as an an initial thing. Um, we're also just to make if, if stuff is really like sensationally beaten, you know, like beaten by a lot, or um, or is something a bit like the apple peel, we just go what. Yes, and that's yeah. We have it's very hard to, but that could oh uh, what uh, when you have that noise when you make that noise when you read an application, and that's a good sign that it's going to be in the book, and and for me it's also about the shareability of it because the best records are those that makes you want to phone your mate and go oh my god yes you never believe yeah, what I've discovered. Or in a playground, you know, elbowing your mates going, look at this, look at, the, look at this woman or this man's hat or shoes or feet or look at the size of the cat or whatever it is. If you want to share that story, uh, then that means it's, for me, a, de- a definition of a good record. We have key criteria, but I think it has to be a measurable thing. It has to be um, quantifiable in the sense that you, you, know, you have to be able to take a ruler to it or weigh it or yeah. count it. You know, it has to be breakable. It has to be provable that you've broken it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also has to be interesting. And we have a tagline which is officially amazing. So it's fine to be official and it's fine to be amazing. But we're trying to find that Venn diagram where these uh, yeah. two bubbles connect so that it's 
amazing and it's official. And I think that's an important drive for us. So being fashionable, being like what's current, um, and just the stuff that's more likely to amaze you. Yeah. We also have themes as well. So there's a, sometimes subtle themes to the book. Some that sometimes it's not so subtle, but it might be space travel. It might be a theme for a book. So we try and find records that satisfy that more often than not. So this year we've just published the well, we're about to publish the the 22 edition, which has uh, an environmental theme because it's okay. it, it's at the front of every kid's mind yes everyone's mind really it's the state of the environment and the great thing is that record making can be used in a positive way to help the environment so let's look at that as an idea so that's become a bit of a, a theme for the book previous books have been things like make do make do and mend was one of the books 19 i think was where we looked at people who made things at home and uh, so that would be okay. the influence for why we put the record in the book that year. Um, but yeah, just be amazing and, and you know, why would the team here then you're going to get in? Yes, yeah, I think that was one of the things that Liam and I maybe hadn't thought of before we did our research, that there's there's only a certain amount of space in the book, but there are 58,000 records on your database. And you might think that just because you break a record, you will then appear in the book, um, which obviously isn't the case. Mm. Yes, I suspect there's lots of people at Christmas who yes in the package. Yeah. Who, I'm, in, I'm in here somewhere, and I'm in here somewhere, yeah. and they can't find themselves because they weren't selected. They'll end up on the website, so that's, I mean, that's yeah. second best, suppose, but the, the bucket list is being in the book, not getting the record as much as being in the book. So. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. So apologies to everyone who's listening who isn't in the book. doesn't mean we don't like you or think you're not interesting. It just means that there's been four thousand other things that we found slightly more interesting than you <laughs> yes that, that makes sense and we, we we're reading that there are some records or certain records that get broken more often than others um is it ever hard to keep up with those records um depends on the really depends on the topic so the record that consistently changes hands the most often is probably oldest living woman okay um because um, women live much longer than men uh, and um, therefore get to more extreme end of the life and therefore tend to not hold the record very long yes, because yeah. they're so old and then die. That's what happens. Um, so, But in that case, we've got a very specialist consultant. Um, and uh, Ironically, a guy called Robert Young. So Mr. <laughs> Young looks after the old people. Uh, he's part of a group um, called the Gerontology Research uh, Group, and they basically, um, I think their ultimate modus operandi is to cure old age as a thing. They, they see it as a curable disease. Uh-huh. But in the process of monitoring and researching that as a scientific reality for them, they do keep very good records of the oldest people. So it's in, it's in very safe hands knowing it's with them. And then you get weird things that happen, like you get whole runs on things. So for a while, Canadian-style street hockey was a record that just kept getting broken all the time. Okay. And we were never sure why. You know, like, Why has this suddenly become, we had a whole year that had just been broken again and again and again, but no real clues as to why. Uh, and we had claims for things. There, was, there, was there must have been in Russia a TV documentary about fat pets because 
we've suddenly got this rush from <laughs> Russian claimants saying, I've got a very fat cat or fat dog. And we couldn't work out again, why were they coming to us? But there must have been something that triggered in Russia yes. the idea that we were interested in fat pets, which we're not, by the way, um, because we don't want to encourage people to overfeed their pets. <laughs> yeah. Record. So there's lots of records like that as well that we don't accept. I mean, we, we don't accept 95% of what we get, to be honest. Okay. Oh, wow. And um, on those records that change change regularly, have there ever been one that's been broken just about just after the book has been finished and about to be published, and then you've heard about a new record that's that's coming? Um, yes, I mean we we almost even joke about it sometimes, but the oldest people do die, and they seem to die just after we go to press. It's quite okay. frustrating. Um, the the one I remember vividly, and I thought it was a joke. So, the way the schedule works is we tend to print the book on my birthday. So I'm normally in Germany or Spain, depending on where we print, on my birthday. And someone sent me a text message on my birthday, which was May the 31st, saying Usain Bolt has just broken the 100 metres record. Okay. It's like, oh, no, wow. he's not. No, he's not. You're just saying that to wind me up because you know I'm printing the book. Uh, and, of course, Usain Bolt did break the record on the 31st of May. And so we had the decision, what do we do? Do we, do we stop the press? And we actually did in that case, um, stop the press. Yeah. It's very rare that you would say, you know, stop the press because it costs a lot of money. Of course. <laughs> but we just felt there was no option. It was such a big record that we could yes. catch it that we thought, okay, let's just, we will just actually reprint that section. So we stopped, changed the printing plate and carried on. Cost a fortune. But uh, it, was, it was such a fundamental record. Yeah. You know, it's, it is almost the measure of the fastest human on earth. So why not do it? Yeah. Um, but yes, it's, it's very frustrating for us when things. Yeah, for a few hundredths of a second or whatever it would yeah, be. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah even. Yeah. <laughs> we read that obviously, so if we send a record in, somebody has to watch our evidence, if you like, or, or confirm that what we've done is right. So are there people, I don't know, sitting in an office somewhere, just watching evidence all day long and trying to just okay a record? Is that essentially what they do? That's, yeah, that's the job. For the, we have a records management team. Um, so in an ideal world, we'll come out and watch it in person. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I've, for me, it's the best part of the job and I haven't done it for a year and a half because of COVID, but, um, that's not 100% true, but anyway, it's mostly true. But like I've sat in Times Square watching a man do a karaoke marathon for 24 hours. No, okay. 24 hours. And we do it in eight-hour shifts. So that's the, ideally what we would come and see you in person if we could. Yeah. Okay. But, but there's now so many. We get about a thousand applications a week, say, to deal with. It's just impossible. It wouldn't work as a business model to be able to send that many people around the world. So we say, send us the video, and then we have a team that will just sit and watch hours and hours of you running around the track or yep. playing the uh, piano until you sleep. And, um, and it's, you, it's amazing what you catch and things you have to be wary of. Things. I mean, a good example is the running around the track, because you can imagine watching a video of someone and they run past the camera, and then a few minutes later, way in the distance, you see them running again. Is that them? Is that them? (laughs) Yeah. So we have to insist on things like you have to have all the action in one take, in one screen, or synced up, two cameras that are synced up so you can see the action. 
Um, we also insist on having witnesses, independent witnesses, so not your not your friends, not your family. Uh, ideally, it'd be a lawyer or some some notarized um, body, or you know, we can use companies that do this as a job. Um, we sometimes insist on um, a topic expert. So um, even even if we were there in person, so a good example would be uh, I did I adjudicated a record for uh, the most henna tattoos applied in I forget what the time period was. Say it was an hour, but they have part of the rules is that it has to actually look like a proper traditional henna tattoo. That makes not sense. just like a. Not like a monkey has just smeared it on your arm. Or just something on, yeah. Um, splat. <laughs> so it has to be intricate. So we, we had to get in an expert on henna tattooing to judge. So I could I could adjudicate the event itself and the yes. timing and all that, but I needed her as an expert to say, this is an acceptable henna tattoo and this is not an acceptable. And she was ruthless. She disqualified so many people. They didn't get the record in the end. But Wow. Um, so it just depends. It's horses for courses, really. It depends on the, the subject. If it's Mr. Potato yeah. Head, you don't need an expert. <laughs> uh, if it's Everest, you probably do. So. Well, with, with the with more mobile phones being about as well, so you seeing that there are more applications, more people trying to prove these things just because of their ability to send things in. Yeah, it's definitely helped. Um, yeah, the internet is because everyone. And there was an overwhelming message that the internet was going to kill Guinness World Records somehow because you don't need what we do if you've got the internet. But of course, it's very quickly turns into a tsunami of information that it's just impossible to deal with. Yeah. yeah. When if all you want is a sip, and in fact you're getting a whole swimming pool, it's too much. So we feel that we the internet has helped us in one sense. Um, because it's shrunk the world, it's made it a smaller place. We can now reach people that we couldn't previously reach. But the, we had the shortest man um, who was 72, I think, when we first heard about him. He'd obviously been the shortest man for a very long time, like <laughs> yeah. all of his life. But we didn't know about him. But it's only that somebody was walking through a forest in um, in China with a um, in Nepal, sorry, with a, a mobile phone. And could take a video of him and then email it to us. And then, therefore, a week later, we are in Nepal measuring the sky. Incredible. So, that's the, the benefit of having mobile phones is that you can find things out much more quickly. And now you can use them as stopwatches and cameras. And yes, um, yeah, yeah, some of, of it you can't use, that you can't use it as a sound meter. It's not calibrated as a sound because we get videos of people burping into their phone, hoping it will be <laughs> sensitive enough. <laughs> to deal with the loudest belts but it doesn't really work that way so but it's for other things photography really, thank you thing uh, it's all pretty good and do you ever have people like dis- like if you reject their claim do they ever dispute that and say no hold on a minute i have broken a record like is there a pro does that ever happen um yeah there's, there's a lot of times when things will be contested um um because we sometimes reject records just almost there was one an example of I mean, someone sent us a picture of a dog with its mouth full of tennis balls and this dog had something like six tennis balls in its mouth and they said can we have a record for this we was like <laughs> no that seems very weird to me so we rejected it thinking that this the owners probably forced the balls into the dog's mouth yeah and they came back and said no we want to appeal this decision because 
we think we think you've misunderstood what we are offering here. And so what they sent back was a video of this dog's owner throwing the six tennis balls into the garden. And the dog runs after him and collects them all up in his mouth at once and comes back to the camera saying, look, look, oh no, look, mommy, look what I've done. Yeah. And it's like, actually, that's really impressive. So we gave, <laughs> we gave yeah. the dog the record. Um, and there's, there's times when equally we've accepted a record and the community has come back to us and said, actually, we think we've made a mistake. So again, a good example would be... Um, there was a record for the most pint glasses balanced on the chin. So you, you imagine getting a pint glass and you stack them all. Yes. Um, and the record jumped by about 20 pint glasses. And in the pint glass balancing community, which seems to be such a thing. <laughs> Sounds very they niche. Got in, yes, niche, but that's, yes, welcome to Guinness World Records. They got in touch and said, something's suspicious here. And... And what they were suspicious about was, one, the jumps. So statistically, it was a big leap and therefore suspicious, which we should have picked up on. Uh, and two, more suspicious, was that it was done in the, between innings in a baseball game on the diamond. And they said that would be the most unlikely scenario because if it goes wrong and you've got 70 pint glasses on your chin and they fall off and you can't yeah. do it and they smash you're going to have a diamond full of smashed glass in the middle of the game. Yes. This doesn't make sense. And eventually we did find out that the, the glasses were actually plastic glasses. So ah. therefore they're much lighter. You could stack more on your chin. Yes. And therefore we had to disqualify that. Thing. So there was there's times when you rely on um, people with that expertise coming to us and saying, we've got it wrong. Yeah. And all we can do is put your hands up and go, well, yeah, okay, fair enough, we've got it wrong. Yeah. No, that's, that's that's fair enough. We one of the people that we talked about on our pod this week was the record breaking record breaker, Ashrita Furman. Oh yes, yeah. Well, in fact, he's the one. So he had that it? record for paint glasses. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It did cross my mind. <laughs> yeah. And we we we've been watching some of his um, some of his YouTube videos and some of his records that he that he holds. A couple of those were the ones that live, and I thought we might be able to have a go at. But have you met Ashrita? Has he ever? caused any problems with constant record breaking at all <laughs> so yeah i've met Ashita, who's for us a bit of a living legend yes uh, and i met him i was in barcelona i was in barcelona printing the book and i heard that he was there training for a record um at the olympic racetrack so i went to see him and it was this boiling hot day uh, and he was practicing for a record of how far can you push an orange a mile with your nose. <laughs> so you may not remember, but a few years ago, like 10, more 15 years ago, there was um, a student protest about fees. And a student said it was easier to push an orange a mile up the Royal Mile with his nose in Edinburgh than it was to get a grant for education. So this became a thing, pushing an orange a mile with your nose. And then it finally got to Ashita's ears, this concept, and he's turned it into a sport, like almost like an Olympic sport. <laughs> um, and he was in Barcelona on the on the Blaze track as well, so a really horrible surface, you know, mm -hmm. lots of gritty bits of stone and everything, belting this thing with his nose and trying to work out the best technique. Like, do you do you nudge it forward yeah. do you go hit it bit by bit, or do you just give it a massive whack? <laughs> 
Uh, and so he was practicing this, but his nose was all cut. He was bleeding. Oh. He was vomiting from the heat, like almost like heat exhaustion. He was so determined to get this right. And in the end, so we, we met up and we chatted, and it was great to meet him. And I stayed in touch with him about this record because I was just intrigued to see how it would pan out. Yes. And he did that. He researched where do you get the roundest oranges? Because um, <laughs> often the rounder they are, the more even, evenly they roll, the easier it is to contain. And he researched, he found a company uh, in Florida that grows green oranges. So they're quite unripe. But there's nothing in the guidelines that says you can't use an unripe orange. So he found this small variety, almost like a lime, um, so that you got that nailed. Then he said, where's the smoothest stretch of one mile that you could find in the world? And it was on the concourse at JFK Airport. So he hired a stretch of the marble concourse at JFK so that he could then do the mile on marble with a green round orange. Uh, and and then obviously he smashed the record. So um, I'm just going to look see what it is now. Orange nose mile, see what the record is. But I think he still has that record. I watched a video of that. I thought it was an apple. And I think I mentioned it in our pod that I watched that happening oh. in a video and I thought it was an apple, but obviously it was a green orange. It's a green orange, yeah. So 22 minutes, 41 seconds, which is pretty good given that you've got a nose, a fruit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> During that Incredible. time. But that's how that's a sort of a marker of Ashita. He will analyze the guidelines and not not to find loopholes, but just to find what's the most efficient and best way of doing this. Uh, the other yeah. one he did, we did this as a joke in the office. We used to have a, a head of finance called Nicola. She was a, she was really short and very slight, very young, you know, sparrow-like body. And so once for a joke, we we um, duct taped her to the wall. Terrible thing to do. <laughs> and then realized, actually, that's quite an interesting challenge because how fast can you duct tape someone to a wall? So we <laughs> created this idea of you have to have someone standing on a chair then you duct tape them to the wall and then you have to kick the chair away and they have to stay there for 10 seconds or however long it is. Yeah. So Ashita heard about this as well. I was like, oh, I'm going to do this. Uh, and he researched like so many different combinations of tape. Like, does it go in a crisscross? Is it like horizontally? Yeah. Uh, and he eventually found that if you made a giant U-shaped loop, so at the top part of the U, you stick to the wall and then you almost like create a sling for the person to stand in. Okay. Yeah. And then you do one bit of tape across the body and that's it. And they, that's how he gets the record. Um, I'm going to again just double check that he still has that. Uh, I feel like he, I'm going to go at that one. Yeah. <laughs> again, it's one that you can try at home. It's, it's And there's also different categories. You can, there's one for duct taping yourself to the wall, which is a real <laughs> challenge. Uh, and then there's the duct taping someone else to the wall. Um so yes, if you want to try and do yourself to the wall, um, the record, which also is held by Ashrita, because <laughs> of course, uh, is two minutes, 12.63 seconds. Okay. okay. Easy. I'll do that tonight. <laughs> I'll, I'll be sending you any, I'll be sending you a, a, some footage later. Send me that footage, yes. And it's the sixth time that Ashrita's held that record, because if you beat his record, he'll be on you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Down. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Um, are we right in thinking that you've met some pretty famous people in your role as as in this role? 
Um, well, I, I like to think that they've met me, but yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we were just wondering, like, you know, in your role, who would who's the most interesting person that you've met? Um, could you could you sum that in one person or or a few people? <laughs> the, uh, one, the one that I always, I mean, it's it's controversial character now, but it was Michael Jackson. Um, so Michael came. Yeah, I, I emailed him once. I email lots of celebrities all the time, uh, like Madonna. Every year, I'll send an email to Madonna. Never answers or, ne- or says no. You know, it's fine. Elton John, same. Got a bit further with Elton John once, but no. But then I got an email back from Michael Jackson and saying, "Oh yeah, okay, fine. I'll see you on Tuesday." Oh wow! <laughs> uh, I'll come to your office. It's like, really? Okay. Uh, and he did. He turned up eventually, about five hours late with a huge entourage. But he turned up, and obviously, has records for Thrillers being the biggest selling album. He was the youngest um, when he was with the Jackson Five and all that. Lots of great. He had about eight, I think, records at the time. And um, joyously invited me to present his main record for the Thriller being the biggest selling album at the World Music Awards that year, which I had to do with Beyonce. So yeah, brilliant. <laughs> I, I had brilliant. Um, this weird experience of hanging out with Beyonce and Michael Jackson <laughs> at the uh, at Elle's Court. Um, and even at some points, like find myself on a sofa with Beyonce, yeah. and and not really sh- nothing really to say. Like, what do I say? So I was texting her, my friends were in the audience because Michael got me some extra tickets for my chums, and I was texting them saying, "What do I say?" I was sitting next to Beyonce. <laughs> Did you send? Well, because she said, um, she'd performed as she was performing on stage. I could hear her performing. We were in this little private area backstage." And then she walked off stage and then literally just could hear the high heels coming. She knocked on the door and Michael was in the bathroom. And so I answered it and she said, oh, is Michael here? I said, well, he's getting ready. And she said, do you mind if I come and sit down? I was like, yeah, come on, sit down, that's fine. <laughs> and so I introduced myself and Craig from Guinness World Records. She said, oh, I'm Beyonce, I'm a singer. It's like, yeah, I just saw you, you were very good. And she said, oh, have I got any records? And I couldn't think. I mean, just my brain was just. She did actually have a record as part of because um, he did the soundtrack to Charlie's Angels two. Okay, uh, which was I think at the time the biggest selling movie soundtrack. Uh, but I just couldn't get my head around it, and just like <laughs> <laughs> um, so we had a very strange evening. And then weirdly, Michael Jackson and we stayed in touch, and we were writing a book together. Um, that was his plan. Was he wanted to, to write? He wanted Guinness World Records to publish a book on the making of Thriller, uh, and be a big glossy, you know, brochure-style book. Okay. Um, and so I would get these calls just to my mobile from Michael Jackson, calling up to talk about it and stuff. It's the weirdest experience. Oh, wow. Yeah. Liam's if a massive were... Michael Jackson fan, aren't you, Liam? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've got a bit quiet. I'm, yeah, I'm a huge Michael Jackson fan. That's oh. amazing. That's yeah. Like no, the, the strangest one. I think I was. I was at an airport. I was in Charles de Gaulle Airport going to Mexico, I think. And he called, and the flight had been delayed. And um, they were driving, they drove me on a, took me on a car to the plane to be, you know, to get on board and built this little, like they erected um, uh, like an x ray machine, a security x ray machine just by the plane. Um, and I was on my phone. Speaking to Michael about that, and yeah. the security guard said, "You've got to get on the plane." I said, "I'm just 
And you want to say I'm on the phone to Michael yes. Jackson. Yeah. You can't because that <laughs> just makes sound like a knob. But I just I said, I'm, I'm on, and the guy took the phone off me, hung up the call, and put my phone through the scanner. And it's like, fine. Go back on the plane, connected the phone up again. And they had a voice message from him to saying, hello, Craig, are you there? Are you there? Are you? And for a month, everyone I knew got to hear the message. And yeah, I didn't sure. save it. I stupidly didn't save the message. Uh, like, oh, no. so, so in your phone, you had Michael Jackson as a contact. Yeah, and I, I probably still do because I never delete anyone out of my phone. That's immense. Um, let me just not, see if it not is. his agent, not his agent or lawyer, so actual him. Michael's mobile. Hold on, let me just uh, <laughs> contacts. Yeah, I think I think I would have kept it because I'm not very good at deleting things. More out of I'm rubbish at managing my phone. Uh, that's amazing imagine that that's pretty cool oh yeah there we go <laughs> uh, there's um <laughs> so that, that yeah that kind of thing but we've we're very lucky we get to spend little bits of time in in these big celebrities lives yeah yeah a little taste of how and for him how awful really i i got a room and give me a room in the halkin hotel you're staying in the halkin and I couldn't stay in the end because the noise from the fans outside was just unbearable. Wow. He hired the whole the whole hotel, to be fair. Um, but I thought I can't I can't sleep. I'm just going to have to go home. So I actually went home. Wow! Um, and he left with my clothes. So Michael Jackson has my clothes somewhere. <laughs> um, anyway, it's a very strange night. But yeah, so we've I suppose over the years people like um, you know Hollywood stars. Recently, we did. Um, Hugh Jackman, uh, Daniel Radcliffe, um, who else have we met? Jim Carrey, he was one, he was quite fun. You could maybe have your your small talk with them next time if they have ever thought about how fast they could bash an orange with their nose a mile. <laughs> Just have well, that as your go-to. Have you ever thought of? Yeah, well, <laughs> taping Jackman, yourself to a wall. Yeah. <laughs> Hugh Jackman said he had a thing with his brother about you know the beer mat flipping when you put the beer mats on yes. your yeah, yeah. elbow and catch on your elbow and catch yeah yeah but um the record now is it's an insane amount and he just he said oh, there's no chance he'd ever be able to beat it so yeah uh, but it'd be nice to have, I like the idea of always traveling with maybe like a packet of Jacob's crackers so you can always get someone to <laughs> yeah, yeah have a go there. go on have a quick go yeah <laughs> we, um, and I have actually tried that one before and oh really <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, that is way harder. Oh, it's a hard one. Yeah, yeah. there's a story behind that for me as well, which is uh, there's a guy called Ambrose Mende. I don't know if you know Ambrose Mende, but he's a bit like the British Don King, boxing mm-hmm. promoter, and he okay. came to the office for a meeting about one of his boxers, um, who was going to have a record for the most belts or something. But he said on the way, he said, "Oh, do you still do that cream cracker record?" He's like, "Yeah, the record's about two and a half minutes." He said, Can I, I can do it really quickly. And he did. And he, I, we had crackers in the office. And he took three and swallowed 14 seconds. He ate the three of them. <laughs> and I said, well, we have guidelines. The guidelines is you have to eat one at a time and you have to wait between each one, show your mouth is empty, and then we can proceed. Um, he said, okay, fine, we'll do that. And he still did it in 30 seconds. Okay. And it's never been bettered. So we, we got the record approved on the day when he was in, having the meeting um, uh, and it's never been beaten. So it's very, it's almost 
impossible to beat. I think that one. Yeah. But if he did it, you know, we could. He, I watched it with my own eyes. The guy eats three cream crackers in thirty seconds. That's a good example. You said earlier, but that's one where you go, "Come on, I could do that, yeah. surely." Yeah, yeah. He's walking around the whole of his life going, "I think I might be the quickest at eating free crackers in the world," and he actually was. Yeah, and no one probably believed him until he came to our office. And yes, yeah, exactly. Had the chance to finally prove it. In Same the- with um, Ferrero Rocher as well. Not to name drop products, but we had that with <laughs> Ferrero Rocher. Like, surely we can eat a Ferrero Rocher. Like, how fast can one of the most you could eat in a minute? Um, and I was like, I'm sure I could beat that. So I, I think I set the record in just in attempting it at, at the office to write the guidelines. Okay. Because we do road test lots of the records at the office just to see if it makes sense and what the rules should be and can you touch the Ferrero Rocher? Just can you unwrap it first and all that sort of stuff yes. just to get yeah. ironed out. Um, but again, that's one where you just it's you think I can beat that. It can't be that hard, and it's not easy because it's so dry, isn't it? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Ferrero Rochers. We should give that one a go, Liam. Absolutely. Well, I can tell you what the record is if you want to have a go at it. Yes, please. Um, so in one minute now, the record, wow, is nine. <laughs> wow. And that's by um, uh, Pete Chervinsky in, uh, in Canada, Furious Pete, who's a professional gourmet, really. He just eats okay. as a speed eater. So he's... Okay. Uh, Did he just swallow uh, it in one go? Just like straight down? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, they're not allowed to have water or anything, so it has to be... You know, straight in and out. Um, Anybody who's listening now, if you have yourself either three Jacobs crackers or you have as many Ferrero Rochers as you can in a minute, try and give it a go and then send us a message at Two Guys One Topic on Twitter. We'll we'll forward it on our new friend at the Guinness Book of Records. No, Guinness World Records, sorry. Guinness World Records, yes. Exactly. We send the brand police around to you for that. So, so Craig, you've been been the the editor-in-chief for for 16 years, been there for for 19 years. Obviously, the world has changed quite a bit in that time as well. And so I, I, I suppose the book has changed and there's been a decline in publishing how has how has Guinness World Records had to evolve as well? Yeah, I mean we have we've definitely seen a drop off in in readership, but we have managed to somehow stay, which is great. I think in that we're you know an old brand as, as loved as we are, but we're still coming out at number one or two each year in the yes. chart. So we still get the Christmas mm-hmm. bestseller. That's our big aim. Yes. Become the the biggest Christmas book. Uh, and we we tend to still get that, you know. This there'll be a, the occasional Harry Potter year, maybe mm-hmm. where we we weren't number one, but it's nice to be able to still be up there and see kids interested in reading non-fiction and you know educational, in quote marks, educational books. Yes. Um, I mean, and it's nice to hear from parents. Like I did a, I was in doing a, um, a tour of Canada and. Did a radio show where a mother called in almost in tears, saying that she was so grateful that we published a book that her son would read because her son doesn't like books, doesn't read. And as a reluctant reader, the one thing he would read every year is the Guinness World Records book. Okay. And she said, if it wasn't for that, we'd be stuck. So the kid wouldn't read at all. So I thought, oh, it's nice to hear. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, finally, last question then, Craig, I got for you. You've obviously been doing this for a long time. What is your favourite or craziest record <laughs> that you've ever seen? You must get asked that all the yeah. time. So you must already have it in your head. 
What's the number one? Well, I usually quote the longest fingernail record because the story behind it is, I think, amazing. The fact that people will do that anyway is that they'll grow their fingernails and not just like 10 centimetres, but up to like 90 centimetres, almost a metre long on each fingernail. Yeah. Is is to me the, the strangest in that sense because someone's elected to do that to themselves. Yeah. They're, they're hampering themselves by growing mm. their fingernails that long. Um, and the one I was most keen to meet was Lee Redmond, who um, she had the, uh, still has the record for the longest fingernails ever uh, on both hands. Um, she was the one that got to nearly nine meters per fingernail. Sorry, nine meters, uh, a meter per fingernail, 90 centimeters it was. And she lives in Salt Lake City in Utah. So I, I got her to fly to London. I flew her over because I wanted to meet them. I get to meet all my record-breaking heroes. Yes. Um, so I got her to come over. And she came and she was, she didn't like the flight because she couldn't, she couldn't fit into the cubicle very well. Okay. Because she couldn't get her nails in and lock the door. Uh, and, and then she couldn't turn around properly to, to get a seat. <laughs> so she ended up not going to the bathroom. So she was a bit annoyed by that. But um, she came to the office and showed that she could do everything that the average granny, because she was a grandmother, could do. Like she types with very long pencils and she made sandwiches and did the washing up. Oh, wow. Um, and demonstrated how she goes to the bathroom normally, like how she would clean up afterwards, oh, which is, <laughs> yes. Caref- carefully, she said as well. So she was a fascinating, and she, she, um, I think she stopped cutting her fingernails in 1979 and would soak them every day in olive oil and paint them with gold varnish. And she would really look after them, so they were very smooth. I think the, le- the less you look after them, the more they coil. Okay, so you remember okay. Sridhar Shalal from India who had that very coiled yes. thumb, like a Cumberland sausage coil. Yeah, um, <laughs> we had them cut off recently as well. He sold them eventually, but Lee was fascinating. And weirder, weirdest of all, there was there was two aspects of it. One is that she she's had seen a psychiatrist about something else, I think, but who said that she'd created these nails as a cage, almost like a protective oh, cage okay. around herself <laughs> to protect herself from men, and. Um, that for her, it was the one part of her life she could control fully, where she couldn't in okay. other aspects of her life, but she could control her fingernails and how they looked and how they grew. Yeah. yeah. And that was interesting. Um, and then she had a car crash and lost the fingernails. They got ripped off in a car crash. Wow. Um, yep. She wasn't driving. She can't. She, she would drive with the fingernails because she, she showed us how to do that as well. But she lost the fingernails. And she's very striking to look at. It has this big shock of white hair. It looks like a tamarind, you know, like this, this amazingly bright, yes. shiny-haired monkey. She looks like a tamarind. And someone saw her in the crash and thought, oh, that's the fingernail lady. So collected all the bits of fingernails up and kept them in a shopping bag for her. So when she came out of her coma, she could, if she wanted to, she'd stick her nails back together again. <laughs> um, which she didn't do fully. She still did sort of about a couple of inches. But, but she said that she took that as a sign from God that was giving her the blessing that she no longer needed her cage. Okay. And therefore mm-hmm. she should just surrender yeah. them to the universe. Yeah. Which is quite nice. And I went to see her, went over to Salt Lake to see her to make sure she was okay. 
uh, and she was fine and she was quite relieved, I think, by the whole thing. No, no, um, understandable. But it's, it's a strange one to me because you're choosing it. But the other one I always quote, just sorry, very quickly, is the um, the Banzai Sky Dive, where you you throw a parachute out of the plane and jump after it, and you have to catch yeah. the parachute. Oh wow, yeah. I've never heard of that. Yes, it's um, Travis Pastrana has done it. He doesn't have, doesn't have the record, but he if you know Travis Pastrana, the um, X Games guy. Yes, yeah. he, he did it. I think he did it like in Hawaiian short shorts with a cocktail, like a martini, sipped a martini, then jumped out the plane and then got the parachute. But the record is for how long you can wait before um, <laughs> strapping on the parachute. So the longer you wait, obviously, the closer you get to the ground. Yes. Um, and yes. Uh, the uh, I'll tell you the record. If you if you ever want to go, go <laughs> and do this, which I think... It probably isn't one that I fancy trying. Yeah, yeah I'm not going to be trying this one tonight. And probably just say, from legal reasons, yeah, don't do this at home. Don't try this unless you're a trained stuntman or, uh, or a skydiver. But the, the record is uh, 50 seconds. So wow. wait, check it out, wait 50 seconds. No, no, uh, no. And Can, that's not being be, beaten. You won't be getting a video of me doing that one coming your way. <laughs> no. That stood since 2000. So, yeah, it's been a long time that record's been... Uh, wow. Um, not surprisingly, I suppose, but yeah. Yeah. That is brilliant. That... Craig, that has been really, really interesting to talk with you. Thank you so much for taking Properly the time interesting. to oh, really? very welcome. And just give us some of that inside look as well. What, what happens at Guinness World Records and um, just some of your stories behind it. It's been absolutely fascinating. Well, I can go on for hours, so do stop me. <laughs> and do, do have a go at one, honestly, seriously. Give it a try. And even if it's just for the fun of it, you know, because it is... It's nice to set yourself little challenges, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. The satisfaction of just having a go at it and maybe getting better at it, at least even if you're not actually to level of, of you know greatness, you're at least still having a go and you know. Yeah, so yeah. that's what life's about, isn't it? I always said that that's what like what there's no purpose or meaning to life, really. It's we're a quirk of nature. So you have to just enjoy the bit between you existing and you not existing. Yeah. And if it means doing things like you know, pushing oranges and nose, uh, oranges and malware your nose or whatever, then just do it. You know, there's, there's yeah. no right or wrong way. We're all going to be dead anyway at the end of it. So there's no <laughs> wrong way of doing it. Just enjoy it and get on with it. You know, great stuff. Yep. Thank you very much, Craig. Thank you very much. Thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> wow, Liam, that was brilliant talking to Craig then, wasn't it? I reckon he is the most expert expert that we've interviewed so far he's like the actual top of the tree at guinness world record it's like <laughs> how interested is he and he's best mate to michael jackson or was <laughs> yeah that's that's automatically put him way up in your books yeah yeah i thought i thought it was super interesting hopefully everybody else thought so as well um and they're gonna go out and try and break some records i think i genuinely think we should give give a couple of those a try be, be brilliant to try and what was it? How, how do you attach yourself to a wall? Duct tape yourself to a wall? Duct tape yourself to a wall. Yeah, maybe we'll just have to have an evening, two guys, one topic evening, where we just <laughs> list a few records that we have a stab at breaking. Let's give it a bash. Brilliant. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. We really hope you've enjoyed it. Um, yeah, let us know if you're going to try the eating the Jacobs crackers or the Ferrero Rochers and how quick your time is, how close you are to the world records. We'd, be, we'd love to hear how other people get on with it. Um, get in contact with us at Two Guys One Topic on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Thanks very much for listening. Get out there and share some knowledge. <laughs>